Hello, folks. Welcome back to my podcast, Layers in Media, A Perspective. I am your host, Aisha Sala, and today I am changing up the program just a bit. I started this podcast to talk about film and television and the various layers of meaning that can be extracted from the experience, and that has been really fun and entertaining for me. And then I slightly shifted my focus, still talking about film and television, but really talking about Muslim representation in those mediums and where they are either failing or succeeding. Truthfully though, If I were to dedicate this podcast just to exploring Muslim representation in American film and television, I'd probably only have a couple of episodes left to make and then be done. Because that's how invisible we are. And if we are seen, it's most likely that we are being used as an exotic Muslim prop that is being waved at the audience from the background as proof that Hollywood has achieved its diversity quota. The reality is that most of the Muslim representation that I want to see in film and television doesn't exist yet. It hasn't been made. Maybe the scripts have been written and maybe the actors are simply not being given the work but still trying to get jobs that haven't been written for them or have only been written for them to play caricatures of themselves, etc, etc. The facts remain that as of today, there are very few moments we can turn to where we can find authentic versions of ourselves. And at the end of the day, that's what bothers me. For those who don't know, I got my bachelor's degree from UC Riverside in film, theater, and digital production in 2016. I knew that I wanted to work in film by the time I graduated high school four years earlier, but when I started pursuing that dream, I really wanted to be a film editor. I love film editing and the magic of the post-production process. I was also really drawn to directing and acting, but I didn't take those interests of mine very seriously because, and really take the time to think about this, I already felt like I didn't have a chance. I had a love for acting and directing, but as far as I could tell looking at the industry from the outside, there was no room for me to be in such visible positions. So, I nurtured my love for film editing, which felt like a safe place to be because even though I hadn't heard of any female Muslim film editors, no one would really care if I was Muslim if I was simply editing film footage. Truthfully, it's taken me a good decade to work my way out of that thinking. But by the time I realized that maybe my love for film should not be so heavily intertwined with my with such debilitating doubt, my eyes had been opened to the core reality that perpetuated my doubt, which is that no content is being written that I am even remotely interested in, in engaging with. I don't want to direct on a white show. I don't want to edit footage on a white show. I certainly don't want to act on a white show and become the next on the next Big Bang Theory show the Hollywood folk will inevitably write. Can you imagine me playing a character that is the one brown face on an all-white show when half the jokes that are written for my character are meant to insult my culture and country of origin? The actual horror. But of course, when you reach the conclusion that there is probably nothing the industry is producing that you want to act in, direct, or edit, except for Rami. Rami, if you want me to work on your show, by all means, hit me up. I am yours, Habibi. Um, Anyway, the realization left my imagined film journey quite barren, at least until I embraced my writing journey. Folks, the writing journey is hard. It's so freaking hard. No wonder why I gravitated towards acting and editing and directing. The process of acting, editing, and directing came easy to me. Writing is a 
constant challenge. It forces you to not only engage strict discipline to gain results, but it also breaks you down because whatever results you get are inevitably going to be trash. So whatever discipline you use to get pages done, you have to continue to use to rewrite and rewrite again. It has been and continues to be a draining journey. But I'm finally finding what has always been missing on my ever so short and unsuccessful film journey. The material that I am actually interested in bringing to the screen. The giant void of our society that has gone unspoken. The authentic experiences that define being Muslim in America. Well, to be more specific, to be a Muslim woman in America. And to get even more specific than that, to be a Muslim woman in Southern California. Because while there may be some universally relatable truths that apply to the Muslim women experience, the fact is that the experiences of being a Muslim woman in Southern California are going to be vastly different than the experiences of a Muslim woman living in Michigan. The experiences of being Muslim changes drastically the moment the other intersectional identities shift. You are essentially entering into two completely different worlds if you see one Muslim woman who is Arab and another Muslim woman who is Black. And oh my goodness, it's crazy how different the narratives become when you are an Afghani-American Muslim woman versus when you are a Pakistani-American Muslim woman. And goodness gracious me, the way the narratives twist and turn to reveal their own unique paths when you take into account a heterosexual Muslim woman's experience versus a lesbian Muslim woman's experience truly becomes astounding. We are so diverse and unique and interesting, and we are also complex and beautiful and strong in the face of all the challenges and traumas that we have survived. And it is this range of existence that I am trying to capture because we have spent too long being presented and written as flat, unrecognizable, brown faces who only seem to struggle with the issue of terrorism. Newsflash, folks. There is breaking news that is just coming in. The Muslims have 99 issues and terrorism is not one. No, but jokes aside, that is, this is facts though. Something that I have been doing recently for a writing project is I have been interviewing various Muslim women from all sorts of diverse backgrounds and experiences. And something that is inherently obvious is that of all of the problems that Muslim women have had to face and endure, trust that terrorism only becomes a problem when society decided that 9-11 was a good enough reason to terrorize and bully our community. I mean, truly, leaders found in various Muslim communities and organizations across the country have spent endless resources over the past two decades adamantly claiming to be against terrorism. And here's why this is the biggest joke of all. Because we were always against terrorism. Terrorism was never a giant, all-encompassing issue within the community. Yeah, killing people is bad. Killing people in the name of Islam? Significantly worse, but not at all an issue. In fact, it's such an easy issue to solve across the board because everyone agrees that terrorism is bad. And really, this is what becomes so frustrating about the Muslim community as a whole. We have spent two decades trying to prove to the white man that we don't have this issue. And all the while, the actual issues that have created serious problems within the community have gone unaddressed. And because they go unaddressed, the results are that Muslim women have had to experience trauma after trauma. And because these experiences have simply been accepted as normal, because we haven't been taught anything else, the overarching problems remain and don't look like they are going 
anywhere. So for the focus of this episode, I just want to bring our attention to one particular problem that through the various interviews I've conducted has proven to be extremely damaging. And that is the topic of Islamic sexual education. Let me be clear. I am not here as an expert on the subject of sex, on the subject of sex within the context of Islam, on the subject of marriage, or even on the subject of courtship within Muslim communities. I am not an expert. If you want to turn to experts to expand your own education on such matters, I recommend checking out The Village Auntie on Instagram, the author Habib Akande, also on Instagram, Samira Qureshi, who has her own health and wellness website and has an Instagram page called Sexual Health for Muslims, and an organization called Heart. The IG page is called Heart to Grow. This is a Muslim organization that provides education on sexual health and support for those who are survivors of sexual slash domestic violence. These platforms have been integral to my own education, and it's really just comforting to discover that there are people out there who recognize that a problem exists and are creating spaces for Muslims who want to learn and grow out of their own ignorance. Because I am not an expert, I am not delving into this topic to tell you that I am right and you are wrong, or I am superior because I know more. I just want to talk about this problem that exists, mainly because I am ignorant, mainly because it's possible that you're ignorant and you're comfortable in your ignorance, mainly because on the off chance that you have recognized your ignorance and are uncomfortable with it, maybe talking about it might make you a little more brave in your pursuit to learn as a means to attain safety and comfort in knowledge. And I think that conversation begins with the question, what do you actually know about sex. I'm not just talking about the actual mechanics of it, but more so the process. Have your parents discussed it with you? Have you grown up with a sense of shame attached to the concept of interacting with the opposite sex? Are you mentally and emotionally prepared to enter into a marriage when sex has always been this vague concept presented through a patriarchal scope that defines it as shameful for women? Do you know what foreplay is? Do you know the actual anatomy of the vagina? Or to be more specific, do you know that the vagina is just one part of the biological layout that makes up a woman's private area? Fun fact, I did not know that until I was 23. I'm 26 now, just for context. I have had 16 years of public education, four of those years spent in what society defines as higher education, aka university, and I only just learned that full biology of a woman when I was 23 and way out of college. It's crazy for me to think that I was thinking about marriage long before I even considered the reality that I did not know myself, at least in the physical sense. And that's because the concept of marriage is introduced to you from a very young age. Marriage, kids, that vague little unspoken process that needs to happen in between those two really big life experiences that no one actually prepares you for. Do you watch porn as a means to educate yourself on what sex is supposed to look like? Are you aware that porn is performative and not indicative of what sex is like realistically? Are you scared to address the topic of porn with your significant other to determine if he has an unspoken addiction he isn't willing to give up while married to you? Are you 
addicted to porn? Are you too ashamed to speak about it because the community goes out of its way to make you feel like shit about your sexuality while deleting all of the Islamic rhetoric that actually matters, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most merciful and most forgiving, and that he created you as you were meant to be, which means that your sexuality is meant to exist as it is. To the girls, have you prioritized the idea of achieving orgasm and experiencing sexual pleasure in your relationships, or have you put that concept on the back burner as unimportant because the language surrounding your sexuality complicates things when you want them to be simple. To the boys, have you even thought about what is required of you to help women achieve orgasm? Or is sex just like this right that you can't wait to claim for yourself when you get married? I'm asking a lot of questions and not doing much of anything else because obviously everyone is different. Maybe I've got it all wrong. Maybe there are thousands, if not millions, of Muslim women out in the world who have extremely gratifying sexual lives and have been blessed with partners who constantly put the work in to understand their needs and desires. It's just that I have heard enough stories, have had enough conversations with women who I know to be intelligent, beautiful, emotionally complex beings who somehow got stuck having these awful experiences because these questions weren't asked. And the men who identify with our community have not been made to live up to a higher standard in order to become worthy life partners. Partners. And so, what are we stuck with but this notion of settling for a life that is lesser than? I am not here to generalize. I am not here to blame. I am certainly not here to judge. This is not what this platform is about. I am not on a quest to learn about the intricate workings that remain unspoken about the Muslim American experience, just to turn around and point a finger at my own community to say, you should all be ashamed of yourselves. No, I am here because I believe it is within our capabilities to progress towards a better world. But a better world begins within. Where are we ignorant? Where has our education fallen short? What topics are we uncomfortable with? It's time we really face these questions head on before we internalize the cyclical traumas of our elders and pass them on to the generations to come. Before the next generation comes, how do we ourselves become a collectively enlightened generation? As a logical protective measure, it's becoming more and more necessary to have these conversations before committing. These honest conversations should function as a form of empowerment for us. Something that I've been feeling for a while now is I feel like there is no place for me in this world. I have evolved to a place in my own life where I am Islamically conservative in image and in practice, and in my desire to learn about my religion, because I still feel like there is more to understand and appreciate about my religion, but I am progressive in beliefs and ideology. I do not condone homophobic rhetoric. I consider it un-Islamic to use any sort of judgmental, negative, derogatory tone against the LGBTQ community. I was talking with this one sister who, in our conversation, she mentioned that she felt especially protective over the trans community because of how vulnerable they are living within the larger spheres of society. What could be more Islamic, more humane than recognizing the vulnerable of our society and considering it our duty to protect them? I don't believe in looking at another Muslim and listing all of their supposed faults to their face just to shove in their face how imperfect of a Muslim they are being. I can't imagine the sheer audacity of doing such a thing anymore. But 
I know the people who have that audacity and continue to wield it as a weapon of reprimand without shame, adding yet another layer of toxicity to the experience of being Muslim and being connected to the larger Muslim community. I suppose I want to have these conversations now because I'm beginning to realize what I want out of media representation. I don't just want authentic representation that captures our humanity in a way that reshapes how society at large sees us. I want our intimate stories and experiences to be told so that the Muslim community as a whole can connect with the material and be challenged by it. I want to produce movies and TV shows and podcast episodes that are honest about who we are and how we struggle and where we've gone wrong, not so America as a collective can point at us and proudly claim that we are an inferior being, but so we can take a look at the Muslims that we are, take a look at the Muslims that live in our houses, the Muslims that we call family and friend and neighbor, and recognize that we have work to do. And that work should be carried out with the intention of becoming a better people. We are not the evil that the American media has claimed us to be. We are stronger than the quiet, oppressed stereotypes that have been painted over our existence. And we are more fragile and complex than the stoic, patriotic images of women wearing the American flags as hijab. So here's to the beginning of that journey. And here's to the hope that a better future lies just ahead on the path towards telling our truths and learning from our mistakes and ignorance. I hope you will all join me on that journey. And I also hope that you are here to grow with me. This is the podcast, Layers in Media, A Perspective, and I am your host, Aisha Sala. Catch you next time, folks.